It's me. It's me. It's always me and no one else. That sounds like um, a tribute to Rosie's turn. <laughs> is that from it exactly Crazy what it is from Crazy yeah. Ex Girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Isn't It Neat, a podcast where we discuss, nerd out and share cool, creative, interesting and nerdy stuff. Each week, one of our hosts will pick a topic they want to share their love for and that's what we will discuss. My name is Erin and I am joined by my sisters, Helen. Hello. And Caitlin. Hi. Oh, shit. (laughs) You ruined it. ruined (laughs) We'll edit it in post. (laughs) My laptop isn't plugged in and it just like... Almost went to sleep, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't say my words." Not talking about saying my words. That's okay. Let me let me take over. This week we'll be continuing our discussion of the Wheel and Tive season one. This week is episodes five and six. We have a content warning for this episode. There will be a discussion of suicide. Um, I will give another warning when we're about to start discussing that particular aspect of episode five. Um, spoiler warning. So this podcast will contain spoilers through episode six of season one of the TV show. It may contain minor spoilers for the beginning of the book series as the show adapts events and characters from the books, but we won't be discussing specific details of the book itself. I have read the entire book series multiple times, and I've also watched season one multiple times. Helen, how much of the Wheel of Time book series have you read? None of it at all. <laughs> How much of it have you watched? Um, up to episode six as of today. Yes. So uh, Helen is our first time watcher. And we're getting her thoughts raw from the experience, which is fun. Caitlin, how much have you read of the books? Um, I actually haven't read any of it. I've had half the first book read to me by you. Yes, I've been reading the book over FaceTime. Sneaky. And it's been wondrous. I haven't changed my basic opinion, which is it's a standard hero's journey. We have read 30 chapters, which is over halfway, just over halfway. Mm. Um, So, Caitlin, how much of the TV show have you watched? I watched the whole thing over Christmas with you. um, And I have rewatched each episode slightly in advance of you going through it with Helen. Yeah. So you're on you're on your second rewatch your first rewatch. Second yes. watch through. Yes. Yes. So Caitlin knows what happens. Helen doesn't. I know even more what happens. Kind of. I know what happens in the books. What happens in the TV show, that might be different. Alrighty, so let's go let's move on to episode five, which is called Blood Calls Blood. We start with a cold open. Alana is there singing the funeral song after the battle at the cave with Loghain's army. It was very sad. It was very sad. So they bury the king of Geldan because he died in the fighting. And Stepan, who's very sad, oh he God, lays Karenne in the grave and takes her Aes Sedai ring, hangs it around his neck, and Moraine and Lan look at each other. I decided at this point, that Lan and Moraine are getting separated in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and based uh, on Aaron's refusal to tell me that it does happen in the books, I've decided it's a days of our lives separation. She's dead, but she's not really dead because her evil twin is actually the one who died, or she's got amnesia, or she's just run away from the mob or something equally dramatic she so she can come in back in. the episode talking about how, like, um, 
undoing the bond between the waters and the Isidur. I'm like, oh, that's going to happen at some point. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's going to be Yeah. So Caitlin thinks Maureen's going to die or... Uh, I think she's gonna herself. fake her death, or it's yeah. gonna look like she died. Yeah, days uh, of her life. It's gonna be like very like, oh no, it's gonna look yeah. very convincing. Like we don't know if she actually did die or not, but she's gonna sever the bond to like, and Lan's gonna be very upset. So Maureen di- dies in inverted commas and comes back <laughs> later. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. <laughs> then we have the awesome title sequence, which I always talk about because I love it. Yeah, it's really and cool. then we have a one month later. Yeah, it's like, oh, a month has passed. Okay. Time skip. So we check in with all the different groups. The Isodai from the cave with Maureen and Lan and Nynaeve, they reach Tarvalon. And when Rand and Matt reach Tarvalon, that's when we get our full view of the city and also mm. the mountain, which looks like a volcano behind it. Special mm. has his moment where he's like, I've seen that mountain before. Hmm. What could that mean? And Matt's like actively dying. <laughs> he yeah. looks so ill. <laughs> yeah. And he's got this moment where he gets suddenly angry at this little boy that happens to knock into him. Yes, he's like, kind of vicious. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and Egwene and Perrin also reach Tarvalon with the Tinkers. So they stayed with yes. the Tinkers traveling too. Um, Egwene's wearing a nice bright pink thingy, <laughs> woolly jumper thing. And um, Perrin has new hair with his yeah. like, little baby dreadlocks. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, So Matt's Matt's really grumpy. Um, Rand also has new hair too, kind of. It's just longer. It looks kind of woolly and curly. Mm. And he's um, still like unreasonably beautiful. He's a little bit dirty though. Yeah, but it's the same thing as like when they were climbing the mountain the first time where he's like he looked like he'd picked up some dust and just been like, oh. Smeared it on his bit. face. <laughs> Whereas Matt was like. Too. I have rolled down this mountain seven times and I am dying. <laughs> and like yeah, Matt looked like he genuinely looked like he was dying. Yeah, he does look <laughs> like he's dying. And I know I'm saying that and laughing, but he looks so bad. Yeah, he doesn't look good. So Rand's kind of looking after Matt. He leads him to an inn. They they buy a very expensive room in an inn for the night. Um and then while he's at the inn, so that's so Matt just sort of gets grumpy. Matt just kind of goes, I'm going to pass out on this bed now. Ka-tunk. And he's very grumpy and yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So while they're at the inn, Rand goes into the library, which I suppose is at the inn, and he meets. Yeah, the guy, the the awesome man. How how did he say it? Ogier. Yeah. So he meets Loyal, son of Arendt, son of Halan. And he's amazing. Who is an Ogier. Helen, do you remember how he says like it's like joyous to know you or something like that? When he, like, oh, it's um, uh, uh, sweet. Your voice, your name is sweet on my ears or something like that. Your name oh. sings in my ears. Sings in yeah. my ears. That's it. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's he just kind he's of he's very rumbly and he kind of just um, rambles on. Voice. Yeah, he's got an amazing voice. So. He obviously studies humans, mm-hmm. so he calls Rand an Aiel, mm-hmm. and Rand's like, I'm not an Aiel, what? Yeah, because Rand's superpower is denial, um, <laughs> and it's his one character that characterization and these were has. mentioned before Aiel, right? 
Yeah. yeah. So, so this the man in the cage. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I was like, yeah, that was an eye ailment. These have been mentioned before somewhere. Yes. Um, after so through the window of the library, uh, Rand sees a Matt escaping. I don't know, and he gets a bit worried about him and goes out there. But there's a parade happening. So the Aes Sedai have. Like he sees the parade, and they're like, "Oh, this parade's happening." And then he gets yeah. worried for some reason and goes out. And then finds he sees Matt. Matt. There's a <laughs> shot of him, and Matt's like, and he's like, ah. so he goes out and um, watches the parade. So they come in. There's a big hush when they see Karene's horse with the boots. Her boots turned backwards because they're like, oh, my gosh, he killed an Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. How could he? That's awful. And um, Stefan is the saddest. Yeah, poor, yeah Stefan, so is, Stefan is now the saddest. And Loghain's in the cage and he, he's, he's also sad. He's really <laughs> not looking happy. Um, and then he does something weird. Yeah, he looks at Matt and then he starts maniacal laughter. Yeah. And it's like, oh. What does he and know? you blink and he's back in his little position. So did he do that or no? Yeah, was it something that Matt saw in his imagination? Mm, did he hallucinate it or was it like ascending? Yeah. So Matt and Rand make a deal that they won't let each other become like that if one of them happens to be um, a channeler and the dragon reborn. Um, but it, it seems to me like they're each promising something different to each other. But what does Matt mean by don't let me become like that? What does he I expect feel like he's kind of like... And kill me before that happens kind of deal. Yeah. And <laughs> what do you think Rand means by, okay, I won't let you become like that? What will Rand's he do? Rand's making the promise, don't let me become a person who channels, like don't let me become a dragon. And Matt's making the promise, don't let me become like that that half man who now doesn't have a huge piece of himself because they've gentled him, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think Matt is asking Rand to kill him yeah. if he if it turns out he can channel. I think Rand is promising to look after him to make sure that he's hidden from the Aes Sedai and doesn't end up gentled. Yeah. It's like layers. Yeah, it's like a different yeah, a different perspective as well. Anyway, meanwhile, in the White Tower, uh Nynaeve is hidden in the water's quarters. Um Moraine and Land bring her in there because the reasoning is that if she goes into the White Tower proper, she'll get snapped up and made into a novice and she'll get stuck. Mm. And there's so mm. much politics. Mm. Yeah. There's lots oh, of talks of politics. politics there. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. politics. Um, politics and, then, and then we go into the scene um, dressing Stefan for the funeral. It's all very sad. Mm-hmm. He tells a story of how he was bonded to Karene and we hear a little bit more about the, the bond and how it works. All of their individual sort of life before they were warders like they wasn't great um Mm. and then they become a warder and they have their found family and losing their found family is harder than losing their real like blood family um and then uh stefan goes and he takes karene's ring and he melts it in a fancy fire Thing. It's got like all melted gold around the edge of it Mm. yes it's quite ceremonial um Stefan goes and visits Nynaeve. He's drunk. He's got a bottle of what I assume is alcohol. Yeah, and he he's asks her, it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, mm. he asks her for some more of her tea that will help him sleep. And they, they have a little bit of a discussion about pain and forgetting. I think in this episode, there's a little bit of a theme of, um, love and connection with other people is really painful. 
but mm. without it, life's not worth living. And I think Stepan actually says that later. Mm. And the layers of human interaction where it's not just seeing someone who's in pain and wanting to make it better, it's understanding the pain that they're experiencing because Nynaeve understands Stepan's pain. Yeah, it's like when and she, she says say, the pain will never go away. And yeah, she like someone who understands because like yeah. you always get this supplication. The, um, supplication. Yeah, they always say like, don't worry, it'll go away eventually. And yeah, like, or yeah, you'll heal. It'll get better or, soon. We'll and get you a like, new no. puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it, like but someone who actually knows will tell you, no, it won't go away. <laughs> but yeah. Again, you can yeah. learn to live with it, but it won't go away. Yeah. Think that's the thing, especially with a sudden loss. You don't know how you're going to deal with it in advance, and until it's happening, and sometimes it's difficult to find the words or find what it is that you need. Yeah. Um. So Nynaeve escapes. So she wanders yeah, she out. Just walks she, out of her room. She <laughs> encounters like Leandrin. Oh, yeah. And there's a little bit of discussion about how Reds hate men. It's kind of like, um. When you're like closeted gay feelings, but the opposite way around. Like, oh, you're not supposed she's, like, to super like super men, straight? but she does. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, but it's like those feelings. They you know, like the character who is lashing out at gay people because he is gay in these times. Yeah. are like, yeah, it's exactly yeah. like that. So yeah. the repressed um, homosexuality ends yeah. up being extreme homophobia, and your mm-hmm. your read of jawline is that she's repressed. Heteronormative. <laughs> she's supposed to dislike men, but she actually does like them. Yeah. Mm. So she points um, Nynaeve to the exit, basically, through the library and the garden. And that's when, so obviously, she encounters Loyal there because Loyal is um, an Ogier and he's allowed access to the White Tower Gardens. So he, with his big boom, 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 bangs on random Matt's door and is like, guess who I found? It's the girl with the braid. <laughs> the, yeah, wrong it's one. the one you were looking for. And they're like, yeah. oh, my God, Nynaeve, you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Loyal goes on a little scholarly rant about customs in the two rivers, which I just love, and they just ignore him. He's <laughs> just in the background. So beautiful. So um, so Nynaeve comes in and she's like, oh, gee, Matt, Matt doesn't look good. And there's a discussion of, you know, maybe he can channel and this is he's sick because he can channel. Um, but let's keep this secret from Moraine. Yeah, because we don't trust Moraine. The yeah, more why we would we ever tell her anything? Yeah. Um, and Nynaeve tells a story about when Egwene was younger and she got breakbone mm. fever and almost oh. died, but then she was okay. Yeah, because she's yeah. stubborn. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with Nynaeve. <laughs> fever broke, not her. Nothing can break her. Yeah. Yeah, so over with um, Perrin and Egwene, they're with the um, Tinkers travelling to Tarvalon and they encounter dun, white dun, cloaks. Dun. They're almost at Tarvalon. And yeah, so they go look over and it's like, oh, there's the white tower over there. We're almost mm. there. There's white cloaks right there, which doesn't sound right. Yeah, and so... You, Helen, you did predict this, that the bad white cloak guy would yep. come back again and they'd, someone mm-hmm. would run into them, and he did. So he came back and he sees Perrin and Egwene and is like, oh, those two, I bet they're dark friends, I want because them. Because recognise them. And then the Tinkers do, yeah, the Tinkers do like a human shield mm. to keep them away, which is really quite ballsy yeah, of them. Passive, 
protesting. Hmm. She gave that speech about the the light can be snuffed out by a child's hand, but a leaf will become part of the forest and grow even more. So while they're doing that, Aram escapes with Perrin and Egwene. Uh, to no avail because the white cloaks yeah, just like catch up to them. the horse just knock jump, runs Aram straight over. across. It's like, ah, jump scary, kind of. Yeah, captures them. They take them back to their camp where Egwene is violated. Yes. It's like this bathing scene that's really uncomfortable and violation. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's very icky. I am so uncomfortable for her and I feel mm. how uncomfortable that would have been, being scrubbed down by multiple men who have, like, no care for her own, like, concern um to make her clean and dress her up in a white dress mm. which they haven't done to a parent it's it's like Just oh we're gonna her. do this to this girl we're not gonna do this mm, to the yeah. guy like ugh, mm. it's, it's Gross. Valda thinks that Egwene is an Aes Sedai and Perrin is her warder but I think that that scene that scene was done really well because it was that violating kind of scene but it wasn't Mm. sexy like a lot of those kind of scenes are so everything was covered but you could see that she was stripped Mm -hmm. of her dignity scrubbed by these like callous men like that um those really harsh yeah they look really harsh yeah and the way that they shot it was very much focusing on her face and when they cut away from her face to show her body being scrubbed it was her arm so like there was no yeah, yeah, or no her exposure leg. Ring, but you could see how like harsh they were being with the scrubbing. And then when they combed her hair that yeah. bit and just, like, yanked yeah. it. Yeah. They yep. pulled out her don't brain. don't get the impression that they are looking at her as like a sexual yeah. object. They're just like she she's just isn't a, person. a dark friend or just. She's not a, she she's, doesn't have yeah. rights. She's not a person. She's a thing. She's uh, like yeah. dehumanizing. But it, like it, even yeah. less than that, like she doesn't yeah. count for anything. They're just cleaning her because um, evil guy said, wash her down and put a dress on her um mm-hmm. and like the way that they so carefully clean the dirt under her nails after being so abrasive is like yeah and they kind of carefully comb yeah. her hair out as well so like they're taking care with the yeah. job it is it's really it's so yeah, it does make you feel really icky <gasps> like so well done yeah but, oh. yeah so Egwene gets put in a in a chair and she's tied up like her wrists are tied and then they bring in Perrin and they put him on like on his front on this thing and tie him up Mm. like an animal Um, and he basically gives them kind of an ultimatum of if she can channel admit it and he'll kill her and let Perrin go if she doesn't admit that she can channel he'll kill Perrin and let her go so they have to choose basically who lives and who dies but he does also say um he suggests he might not be a man that stays true to his oaths like he's flexible with what he kind of suggests that he just wants to kill them anywhere and it's Mm. it's very sort of I decide what is right or wrong at any moment and I can change my mind as I like he's a bit Mm -hmm. power hungry so Valda starts slicing Perrin's mm. back. He pours something on the knife and I was looking at it like, what's that? Wine. wine. It's like wine. It's like red yeah, wine. It's like, weird, did he just pour like poison his, on um, that? <laughs> No, it's just no. wine. It's like he's cleaning. Yeah, from his a, a, jug. It's like washing the knife in alcohol to sterilize it. But yeah, yeah but which doesn't do that. <laughs> which yeah. doesn't work like that, yeah. That is an odd, is an odd thing. Um, so we start slicing Perrin. What happens to Perrin's eyes? 
his eyes turned yellow and he's gonna do something oh my gosh and there's wolves howling and you can yeah. hear it it's part of the ambience and the music he's like oh my gosh something's gonna happen mm, and it gets louder so valda leaves valda leaves the tent for them to decide who's gonna live and who's gonna die and they have a discussion and what does perrin finally, finally do? says what happened with his wife and he's like they were fighting and he thought he heard one behind him, so he turned around and to swing with all his might, and it was his wife, and he's so sad. Oh, he deserves to die. Please let yeah. me die. And it's just very, very, this is very, very sad. So he's completely ready to die. And Egwene's like, no. As he's finishing his story, Valda comes back and he's like, have we chosen? Um, Egwene gets this look in her eye of like, no, she's not going to let Perrin mm-hmm. die. So... She tries to sacrifice herself. She does a big concentration, and then there's this tiny little. <laughs> and it's just little, a little tiny little spark hits him in the chest. Yeah. But um, yeah. then she's like, then we see close up of the hand, um, parents' hands, and oh, there's the wispy things coming up, and they're unraveling his um bones. I think it's fire. I think it's she yeah. set fire to yeah. his ropes, and they they started yeah. coming apart. And so while Valda's looking at Egwene and like, aha, she can channel, I'm going to kill she's her She's giving now. the speech to Perrin sudden... she's doing this. It's like, yeah. it's not your fault. You'll see it one day. I think it's, it ties in a little bit with um, the better to have loved and lost kind of mm. idea. Like we need, like these things happen. It was and, an accident and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you've still got something to live for. All that kind of thing. Um, so he goes, rawr, his eyes turn yellow, and um, it distracts Valda. So he turns around and goes, what? And then Egwene stabs yeah, takes him. up his knife and just goes, stab yeah. in the neck. Yeah. Yes. So they escape the tent, and there's chaos in the White Cloak camp. There's wolves. They attack, and they protect. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in the back in the White Tower, Alana and Maureen are having some girl time in Maureen's room, and they talk a little bit about. So Alana's offered um, to bond Stepan, and then that's when they have the discussion about can the bond be released. Yeah, they talk a little bit about politics in the White Tower with the, the strength of the reds mm. are growing. And then Alana leaves and Maureen looks at a painting. Yeah, she's got it hidden behind a, a little door. It looks like it's just a little like, decorational thing and then she opens it and she, she, like, she gives it a significant look and then she mm. opens it it's like, oh, there's mm. a painting there. That's, obvious. That's going to be significant eventually, obviously. So then we go to Stepan and Lan. So... Lan offers to stay with Stepan. He's Stepan's basically under guard, and this is uh, this is when we're going to start talking about um, themes like and content like suicide. Um, so basically, he's he's on suicide watch. So all the warders are trying to support Stepan, and they're, they're watching him to make sure he doesn't off himself um, because of the bond breaking with Karene. Mm-hmm. So Stepan's making an offering to ward off the Forsaken. There was this bunch of little statues that I can't remember. So they only name one of them. They name Ishamael, the father of lies. They don't give any of the others names. Um, But they say that they sold their souls to the Dark One in exchange for eternal life, but they're bound with the Dark One in his prison. For eternity, I guess, because they're eternally alive. For eternity, yeah. Do you think we get to see the Forsaken or hear a little bit more about them? considering that's 
what's happening in the next yeah, episode. Yeah, everything that happens in every episode is mm. a foreshadowing of something else that happens later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, Stefan and Lan have, have tea and some bro time and they talk a little bit about the prospect of Stefan being bonded by Alana and sexy times with other men. And then, good morning, it's the morning. We get a nice little beautiful morning sunrise and Lan has been drugged. So that tea they were drinking, it's the tea that Stefan got from Nynaeve and Lan's passed out. So Lan he's wakes up. He's all groggy, like, oh, and what? Goes, oh, and no. he's alone. Um, Stefan's gone. And she's in it where he kind of gets his yeah. bearings and looks and discovers the tea. And there's, and then he's like, oh, no, and rushes out the room. And we see mm, this close-up of this thing. One of the daggers is missing. Mm. And it's you know, yeah. And there's Lan running all around up the stairs. And then he sees Stefan kneeling in front of one of these statues. And he's very still. And he come up to them and, oh, there's blood all over the floor. And he slid his wrists. And he's just sitting very quietly and neatly. Reed, that's just how he died. He mm. slid his wrists and then he sat and just waited. And it's so sad. It is very sad. And the funeral mm. was... And then they go to the funeral. Yep. Yep. So everyone's dressed in white. White is the colour of mourning mm. in this world. Um, and they've got gathered around... Is a bunch of, I suppose, warders and a bunch of Aes Sedai all wearing white and they do this kind of ritual where they're sort of banging their chests and Lan's chosen to um, relieve them of their grief. Yeah, he lays his hand on him and relieves them. And he basically shows a lot of emotion and grieves loudly and bigly. And he and uh, Moraine share this look. And can you see that he's very sad? And she's like, mm. yeah, thinking, I don't know if it's that she's picking up on him or if they're sharing this grief that they both have. It seems grief like they're never sort of one dimensional. It sounds like they're just them. setting each other off the more they, they both look probably at each other. Considering the future grief, which has been set up from the beginning of this episode constantly, mm. <laughs> she's <Yeah>. going to die. <laughs> or is Lan going to die? No. Like they're they're going to be separated in some form and it's going to feel like one of them has died. The warder's not supposed to outlive his Aes Sedai. Yeah. But, yeah, the way that they grieve is different and uh, Stefan wasn't allowed to grieve the way that he needed and so he took the path that seemed most suitable to him and it was very sad. Yeah, it is one of those that there, there's no... There's no answer. There's no, well, they could have done it this way and it would have worked. It's just everyone was kind of doing their best. What they could, yeah. And that's what they could do. And the hard part. And it was yeah. very well presented. Like the, mm. the way the showrunners put that together was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we finished the episode, Helen's going, oh, I'm so sad. And she said that, that the thumping of the chest yeah, actually like like physically hurt. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, oh, they're beating the chest. Then you can feel it. Then it's like. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, that was episode five, Blood Calls Blood. We're going to take a short break now and then we'll be back into episode six. And we're back. Episode six, The Flame of Tarvalon. Before we started, I asked Helen... Uh, any predictions for this episode? And she said, yep, the band gets back together. Yep, They're all right next to each other, practically. Yeah, they're all in the same city. Um, okay, so the cold open is a young girl sleeping in a little hut 
and her dad comes, wakes her up, and they go fishing. Um, and turns out that this young girl can channel, so she helps her dad, who only has one arm, to untangle some fishing. Well, he's net. got an arm; he doesn't have a hand. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's Be specific. <laughs> I always, if I see in a TV show some like a character who's missing a limb or has some sort of like disability, disability, I always look up if the actor does as well. Um, this actor has two hands. But it was a very good um, CGI, like you could see that it appeared. But that- it makes me also think, so sometimes you see a character who's, um, like I'm thinking of I just recently watched The Expanse and there's a character in that who has a congenital deformity of his arm and is missing mm-hmm. a hand. Mm-hmm. And I, when I looked up the actor, that that's how the actor is. He, it's his deformity. It's, so then mm-hmm. immediately I'm like, okay, well, that's not part of the plot. Oh, no, Erin, no. <laughs> but it's good. It's it, like I want to know if, mm. and I think that's excellent when an actor can get have representation because it has no impact on the plot whether or not they're missing a hand or whatever mm-hmm. and they can, mm-hmm. they can still do their job, whereas when you know that the actor is not missing that hand, for instance, it then becomes the, the it's part of the plot, it's part of the reason, like, there must be a reason mm. in the story. So there's story. a difference between characterization and, and uh, plot driver is what you're trying mm. to say. Yeah. Yeah. So like a character who happens to be disabled, it's not requirement of the plot. Yeah. Whereas a character who needs to be disabled for the plot, mm. it, it like I get where you're coming. It's very yeah. Short. <laughs> you've, you've, yeah, you've yeah. It's just it's basically why is this per- why is this person missing a hand? In this case, it's, it's because so they are that special. <laughs> at this okay. in this point, it's so that Swan or Baby Swan, which we find out that this is Baby Swan, can channel to help him untangle the net. That's yeah, basically the reason that that character is missing a hand, so rather the- than it just being. The actor that we found who was best for the role happens to not have a hand. It's like the um, parent-wife thing. That exists to show that he's basically a berserker. Like that is, that's a yeah. shorthand that's She's been there. fridged. Yeah, she's been fridged. She's not important. but it, the- She exists for the motivations of another character. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not fridging in the same way that the reason why Layla got stabbed and like died is because they are shorthanding and they're showing us, not telling us, that he's basically a berserker and then they reinforce that as they go along. So if they pull a bait and switch and he's not a berserker, I'm going to be furious because this is not what they've been showing us this entire episode. And it's the same uh-huh. thing with the guy with the hand. Like he loves his daughter. He's he's a fisherman. He doesn't have a hand. He finds it hard to do knots. That isn't the point of this scene. The point of this scene is to show that Swan is – a strong channeler she has to do it in secret because her town is very much against that sort of nonsense but also she lives in Tia and they don't like channelers there and she doesn't understand why she can't help the people that she loves and cares for using the gifts that she has that's her motivating Mm. character summary so they come home and, and the house has been burned down and it's because some People in her neighbourhood um, or her, her community have discovered that she can channel and they want her out. And so she gets sent up to Tarvalon 
and it's all very sad. It's sent in the boat, and she's very worried because he doesn't have a house or a boat anymore. And he can't yeah. fish or, if he doesn't yeah. have a house or a boat. So we come after the title sequence. We're back in Tarvalon, and the Amalan seat makes her grand entrance. So she's called. So there's someone announcing her. That's Liane, who never gets named in the show, but Liane announces. Um, attention, all! She comes, the Watcher of the Seals, the Flame of Tarvalon, the Amalan seat. And it's Swan, grown up, um, and she makes a grand entrance in her big gown. And there's Leandrin, Alana, and Moraine. They've been summoned, and they're all scrubbed up. Yeah, they're all very pretty dressed. And Moraine has her hair all tied up with a little jewel on Mm. her forehead. Very pretty. She's wearing makeup. So we see the hall of the tower as well. And so you have all the different colors of the Aes Sedai, and they're in sets of three all the way around. Except one who's missing one. That's Karene. Yeah, so looking at it, I was like, oh, that's the green one. That's where she yeah. was supposed to sit, but she didn't yeah. know. So they're called sitters in the hall. Um, so they've been summoned and they're, they're just waiting there. And while they're standing there, um, the Amelin summons Loghain, the false dragon, to come. And so he comes in. He is dragged in in chains. But then she's like, oh, we're not going to kill you no matter how mean you are to us. you know, Because she knows that's what he wants. Because he's yeah. all um, depressed from not having his magic set anymore. He's all, all ripped in two. I want to die I don't now. think it's depression. I think it's like utter despair. Yeah. Like yeah. it's something so big and you can see it. Like he's not sick. He's so just like, ugh. Yeah, and he's trying he's to find hard. a way out. Yeah. Desperate to get out. Sounded like they were going to put him to work or something. He's like a gardener. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's like, as a servant of something. Mm, <laughs> a servant of some maybe, kind. Yeah. I don't know. So then once he gets sent away, um, the Amelin starts talking to Leandrin and Maureen and Alana, and they have to answer for, I suppose, their crime of gentling Loghain without a trial. Um, it's all very tense. but It's like the green lady kind of backs up the decision and Maureen goes with it. And yeah. But then, so the um, team... uh, but then the red lady just kind of turns on Moraine immediately afterwards. Yeah, throws her under the bus. So they all support Leandrin. They say it was the right decision um, because Leandrin was the one left in charge once Karene had died, so she was second in command. Um, and then, yeah, Leandrin just throws Moraine under the bus. Because mm, she's still going to get punished because even though she was in command, she made the wrong choice, mm. Um, mm. according to the boss lady. And mm. um, she's like, oh, I don't want to be like punished at all let me distract you which it works it totally works but she like, does um and the amelin does say that she'll think on think on her punishment and they'll call her back tomorrow and then she talks about what moraine did that she's found this channeler and where has she been and throws suspicion on her just pushing the focus onto moraine yeah yeah so she's which she gets to, to be work. the successful person mm-hmm. so moraine kind of gets interrogated by um Swan, the Amelin. Swan asks Moraine, where have you been and what have you been doing? Like a real direct question. And Moraine says, forgive me, mother, I cannot say. And that's not the right thing to say because mm-hmm. Swan gets angry and says, on your knees. Mm-hmm. Gets very I'll ask upset. you one more time. Yeah. <laughs> and she's go, I can't say. Um, yeah, but she kind of sticks to her guns and um, calls around, gets very upset and says, you're going to have a punishment. I'll think on it. We'll go back tomorrow. So the so Leandrin and Moraine and 
Alana are dismissed, they leave the hall. And so then we spend some time in Tarvalon, the city. Uh, Maureen's splashing tea everywhere um, in some sort of tea house, spying on on the kids, on um, Rand and Matt and Nynaeve and Loyal in um, their little inn. Um, and she goes and confronts them and they're like, oh, shit, she found oh, no. us. Oh, dang. <laughs> um, and she heals Matt from the dagger sickness. Yeah, she like picks it up. She picks up this dagger with her floating. She doesn't magic. pick it up. She does it with, with her floating magic. With the magic. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, "Oh, you stupid boy! You took this from that place that I can never remember the Shadala name." Shadala Goth. That place, yeah. And she just pulls all the magic, evil, yucky black magic out of him, and it tries out to get into her mouth. mouth. I love. Yeah. And it tries to get to hers, but she's like, "No, nope, close my mouth. You can't get in." And then mm. she puts it back in my dagger. And then drops on the floor, and Matt's all better now. Like he looks significantly better without it. Yeah, like his coloring hmm. is completely changed. So is um, he completely cured? Is that it for the the dagger sickness? Probably not, because I feel like this is one of those like evil item things that is constantly like um, trying to lure you to the dark side, kind of things. Because uh-huh. he's touched it once, he can do it again. Yeah. Mm. I think he's cured from the dagger sickness itself, but. It'll be a recurring thing that might come back or might. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not so much. More like he was shown the worst parts of himself Mm. by the dagger. And so he has to contend with that. It's like whether Um, or not he can overcome them. And that'll be a thing that he'll have to overcome at some point in the story. Yeah. So he'll be questioning himself and his motives and things later on. Yeah. So after that, um, Moraine goes outside and Rand's like, oh, thanks, Moraine, for healing Matt. Um, And they seem to just be friends now. Yeah. It's like, didn't the last time you met her, you were like not liking her? (laughs) I think that when they're with Moraine, they're like, oh, okay. So she, she, she might not be doing what we want her to do, but she's very upright and she does exactly what she says she's doing. We just might not like what it is that she's doing. we got to respect her for that. But when they're away from her, they, like, build it up in their head about, oh, she's an Aes Sedai and she's got her own agenda and she's very devious and rah, 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 rah. And then, yeah. like, they see her again they're like, mm. uh, maybe she's all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. um, Nynaeve arrives again and Maureen, like, smacks her down. She should know better. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> You're damn. called a wisdom. You should start using some of that wisdom. Yeah, yeah. And then it's bath time again. So we go to the sauna with Megan, who is one of the sitters for the Blue Aja. Ah, I we love her, her accent. Yes, yeah. yeah. I love it when there's She's accents the and shows. She's the boss of the blue guys, I think, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, it seems like she is. So they're in the sauna and they. Um, she discusses some things happening in the world, like there's ships disappearing over the West Coast and there's Aiel invading and there's Trollocs in the two rivers. What's going on? Um, Megan talks about maybe she needs to go west and she tells Moraine that she should stay in the tower. So she kind of mm. commands her to stay. Yeah, the boss lady commands Moraine to stay in the tower and mm. Moraine's like, ah, uh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> Moraine's like, oh, um, oh dear, this is not and good. And then Moraine down. And then Moraine gets a message. Um, and so she goes, to, follows the message, answers the message, and she finds Pegwain at the hospital. Pegwain. 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 So finds her at, them at the hospital. Um, uh, Perrin's been healed and he's sleeping and she has a little bit of a discussion with Egwene. She doesn't tell her that the others are in the city. She just says, yeah. I've had 
people looking out for them. So she doesn't lie, but she like omits. I was like, oh, you have some agenda going on here. Yeah. But for some reason, you don't want these kids all meeting up with one another yet. Yeah, because, yeah, like, what's the first thing that these kids are going to do when they meet up with each other? They're going to go home. <laughs> They've all been uh-huh. saying it. The only reason they were all gone to Tarvalon is because they got split up and they knew, the like, the other party was going to go to Tarvalon, so they had to go to Tarvalon. Like, <laughs> okay, to get – okay, so she's just yeah. keeping them apart so she can keep control of them, I guess. So Egwin tells Moraine that you don't need to worry about Valda anymore. Is Valda dead? Um, I feel like he probably weaseled his way out of that scenario. Yeah, somehow. she kind of yeah, stabs him in the weasel. shoulder. Like I feel like it can be like a lethal thing, but he probably somehow survives. So we might see him again. Probably. Yeah, but he's like he's got like a cool metal gauntlet or something. Oh, he's yeah. like really like <laughs> or a yeah. wolf ate his hand or something. Oh, and he's got something else instead. When he's got all big right. scars all over his face, where a wolf got him. Yeah. Yeah, and he's on that. Now he's got a, a vendetta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's yeah. He's he's evil, but now he's got evil with a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Egwene also tells Moraine like about kind of the weird stuff that's happening with the wolves and Perrin, and and Moraine gets really concerned, and she's like, yeah, mm. she's like, don't tell anyone about that. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. We don't want people knowing because that could be dangerous if people uh-huh. know. Mm. And she gives back the pile of rings that what's his name had taken from the yeah. dead Isado. Yeah. Yeah, like um Penguin had such like forethought of like we gotta get out of this room, but we're also gonna take this with me. Yeah. Like, she's kind of good in a yeah. like crisis. Yeah, she's uh, she thinks quick. Um yeah. and then it's um we go back to the White Tower, it's night time. Moraine's getting Betty for getting Betty, getting ready for bed. <laughs> and Lan comes in and goes, What are you doing? You've masked the bond. So <gasps> that's a thing. What's masking the bond? Like she's um like putting up a wall between her feelings and him so that they yeah. can't sense her anymore for a yeah. brief time. I feel like like he, he knows that she's alive but probably can't sense the intricacies of what she's doing or like what emotion she's having because uh-huh. she's going to be secret. And I do, I remember when we watched this together, Caitlin, you and me, when that was happening and she opens up the painting again to look at the painting and starts doing magic and you said, is she going to go visit her wife? Yes. Go visit her wife. <laughs> and I got so excited. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, it's You're a like, wife. It's a wife. And then and she does. Because so she... Lan said, give her my love or something like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. she's got a secret oh. lover. Yeah. I completely did not pick up on that. I saw the girl in the window and went, oh, that's, that's a her wife. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and then when she goes through, so she does magic and she goes through and she's in a, a different place. So she's like, yeah changed locations and then she goes in and it's swan the amelin and caitlin's like oh my god the boss lady is her wife and i love them i love yeah. them so much yes. and it's Wait. like oh my god they were um in on it together and all that thing in the in the room that before was just this act they had to put on in front of everyone yeah, yeah. so yeah. everyone thinks that the amelin hates moraine because we've had a lot of comments is- through the last few episodes about like oh she's not happy with you moraine yeah mm. and like that's that's like an act they have a little discussion after they've clearly had their hello the sexy time back my wife <laughs> yes welcome home mm-hmm. <laughs> um so what i think is how ha- because they're talking about it is they were in the room with 
the person who did the prophecy saying 20 years, like the baby's been born 20 years. Katara? Yeah, but where the way that they say it, it sounds like there was Katara and them and, like, no one else. So they mm-hmm. – maybe Katara's in on their marriage. I don't know. Um, so they very quickly go, okay, um, we need to sort this out and maybe she might not have been Queen Mummy yet or she may have been, like, in the running of Queen Mummy or she was Queen Mummy, um, but she has to stay. She's not allowed to go ranging, so she has to send her wife out ranging and looking for the babies mm-hmm. and they go well we can't tell everyone what's going on because politics is nonsense and we hate it um yeah, so and they say that secret. they say we can't if the others find out what we're doing we'll be stilled so they're doing something like illegal for mm-hmm. on tower think, law i think that the tower has the stance of maintain the status quo as far as possible mm-hmm. whereas they were young and ideal when they made that decision. That and it was twenty years ago. Yeah, and it's a fifty-fifty chance. It, they, the dragon could make the world worse or could make the world better. Could yeah. fix it. Yeah. So they're going with the hopeful side of we want it to fix it. But the tower as a whole has the default of we got to steal the dragon. So if they're found out that they're trying to like get the dragon away from the dark one and like actually have them be like a force for good. They're going to get stilled, and the and the dragon's going to get stilled and probably deaded too. Mm-hmm. And and so in the end, uh, Swan tells a story that she's been having dreams about the Eye of the World, uh, mm. and says that the Eye of the World is the Dark One's prison where he was imprisoned, um, and that the Dark One is weak at the moment, and that they mm. should take the dragon there and and mm. kill him. But they don't know which of the kids is the dragon. Yeah. Don't know which one it is, and whoever comes between the dragon and the dark one will die. So there's that yeah. kind of extra um, stakes, and they make a plan so Moraine can leave the tower without disobeying Mygen because mm-hmm. she's been commanded to stay, basically. And then um, it's the next day. So the next day we go through Moraine's to-do list. So firstly, <laughs> she goes into the the tower and she runs into the Andron, who's just being a bitch, like she has. Being, being the whole and then Moraine turns around and goes, yeah. I know you're with a man, I know where he lives, and I'll tell yeah. your sisters if you don't shut your face. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell your sisters about the man in North Harbour. So, Did you expect that, Helen? I was like, whoa, okay. Ooh. So, so do you think it is that she's seeing a man, like she's in a relationship with a, a man? Yeah, probably. Okay. She wants to be the new uh, queen mummy. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Moraine meets with Loyal to ask a favour. We don't hear what the favour is yet. And then she brings Egwene into the hall of the tower to impress her, I don't know, and reunites her with Nynaeve. Nynaeve, you're alive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so that's that's really lovely. And then yes. she says that they've both been summoned to an audience with the Amelin. And so they go meet Swan in her chambers and she's very casually sitting in her casual clothes. They have this bit where it's like, um, what makes... Um, You're the most powerful channeler we've seen in a thousand years. And Egwene's like smiling and yeah, then she was like, naive and she's like, what? Say, what? <laughs> yeah, I love that moment. That just always makes me laugh because she's starting to like hold herself up like, yeah, I'm important, I'm powerful. And then she's like, say what? 
Dang. Um, And then, so then we have Judgment Day and Swan announces that Moraine is to be exiled. And that's a big deal. Mm. Everyone's quite shocked at that. Um, And Swan proclaims that she must swear fealty on the sacred oath rod. Um, She um, makes this oath that um, Moraine has to speak back to her, but Moraine changes the words that she says to specifically to Swan, and she says the, th- the thing her dad called her. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember the line. Something about a anyway, it's um, daughter of the daughter river, of the river, levers of pike, strong, strong as the time. And she's very specifically swearing to Swan. I think she must yeah. say it quiet enough that the others can't. Yeah, hear. the others can't hear. Yeah, because then she, she raises her voice. Loud, yeah. Because like, yeah. to me, at first, I was like, she's saying this out loud to everyone, and then yeah. she suddenly raises her voice. I'm like, oh, she was maybe it was again. quiet enough. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, so basically, to me, they're like getting married. It's like. Mm. Marriage vows. And there's a lot of emotion. And it's very and emotional. They're looking at each other and they're both tearing up and it's just and big they, emotion. Swan moves her fingers so that their hands are touching. Mm. Yeah. But her face, like even though she's tearing a little bit, her face is a stony as ever because she's yeah. like got to keep up mm. with the I'm furious at this girl. Yeah. Um, not that my my wife is thinking <laughs> that we're probably not going to see each other. She's yeah. just been gone for two years and we only had a night. And then after that, the bit that is like an extra gut punch is she says, turn and face your sisters. And she turns and they all stand up and turn around. Yeah. Because she's been excommunicated. Yeah. And she's like just very sad. So... Maureen leaves Tarvalon. She gets on her horse and gallops, gallops and gallops, and then arrives at a structure. I looked at it and went, I bet that's a doorway of some kind. Magic yeah. doorway. <laughs> you yeah. called it. <laughs> and then, well done, Helen. The band gets back together. <laughs> you nailed that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's a big emotional reunion. And, and they're all they're, hugging. Yes. Yeah, they're all very happy to see each other. And then they, like, send the horses home. <laughs> They don't take off their saddles or bridles. They just send them away. Shavity clop, clop, clop. Anyway, the horses are going because they won't survive the ways. And then there's a big dramatic discussion about we've got to go through the ways to get to the eye of the world quickly or the whole world will end. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, And one of you might be the dragon. We don't know which one it is. You all have to come. Yep. Yeah, and so Moraine does this fancy weaving thing and it's all very spoopy and the gateway opens and it's dark and there's like lightning and stuff. And then Mm. then she says there's no turning back. It's all very it's all very tropish and I love it. Mm. Like, yes, Mm. yes. All the all the phrases you're supposed to say. Matt's like, I don't think I wanna go there. (laughs) So they all enter the ways a bit hesitantly, but they go in and then they turn around, oh no, Matt is not coming. And they're like, Matt. Matt's not in. Oh no! And then the doorway closes, and he's on the other side. Either he jumped in at the last second, or he's on the outside, and something's going to happen with him. That's the end of the episode. Um, first thing Helen said was, "Oh my gosh, Moraine and the lady, she's <laughs> in on it too." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that means Swan. Her wife. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember their names. That they were like, "Oh my god, they were yeah. they were in cahoots for this whole time." Yeah. <laughs> The next thing Helen said was, um, finally, Matt's been rescued from the dark evil dagger. Like, yeah, finally, like he's not going to die because he looked like he was going to die. It's like, and she also said that the, the whole episode 
was kind of politics and relationships. It's all sneaking mm-hmm. and spying and conspiracies, conspiracies and all that. So, Caitlin, I mean, Helen, do you have any predictions for the the last two episodes of the season? What's going to happen? I have no idea. They're going to go try and fight the big bad guys. Someone may or may not die. I feel like it's I building up to this remember. point where Moraine and Lan get separated in some fashion. Uh-huh. So that like, happens this season? Probably. probably. Yeah. No, because the payoff can't be that fast. Like This is this is already the last episodes <laughs> of the season. So it's like, yeah, it seems like we've moved through the whole new story. But if you've got to also have to remember there's like 100 books. Because <laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, are we approaching the climax already? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Battle Isn't there of the like Dark 50 One. Books? The last, yeah, there's 14 books on a prequel. Yeah. Um, there's talk of there being eight seasons, ideally, mm-hmm. of okay. the show. So the there will be a season where Moraine is absent for either the majority or the entirety of the season because I she's think. dead. So, yeah, um, and then she'll days of our, her, our lives herself back, uh-huh. and her wife will be so happy and welcome her back to the tower. Yeah, and like do it, do it, like oh, we we were in on it on the whole time. We've saved the world. What's going to um, happen in the ways? I don't know. I think everyone's going to be all upset about Matt in some way. Yeah, does Matt catch up with them? I don't know. <laughs> Helen, I don't know enough about this world to, uh, well, to understand how any of it works. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Keep a nice open mind and just go along for the ride. Oh, oh, I forgot. At the very beginning of the episode five, when they entered the town, I heard the yeah. whistle of the, the guy. Yeah, in the crowd. Yeah. I yep. forgot I was yeah. going to mention that. Did you see, so we're talking about Pad and Fane, the peddler. Yes, yeah. that guy. Did you see him at all in that I episode? thought I did somewhere in the market. There was a scene that I can't remember what it was. Uh, but I definitely heard his whistle. <laughs> yeah, so is he going to keep following, is he going to follow them I feel the like he's probably either following Matt around. Ah, so is he after the, the evil dagger? Yeah, I think he's got a connection to either the evil dagger in the city or something uh-huh. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we heard him in the city, so we went to Shadala Goth. He went to Shadala Goth. All righty. Uh, so that was episode five and episode six of the Wheel of Time TV show. Next week, we're, gonna, we're going to be discussing the last two episodes of the TV show, The Dark Along the Ways. And the eye of the world. <laughs> so we're going to hear Caitlin's head cannons develop more. See if Helen's predictions come true, or Caitlin's predictions come true, and come on this journey with us. Listeners, what do you think of these two episodes of the Wheel of Time season one? What were your favourite moments? What are your thoughts on what happens next? Tell us all about what you think on Twitter or Instagram at isn'titneatpod or email us on isn'titneatpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Now go and enjoy something you think is neat. The end.